Welcome to Never Left College, where we discuss the highs, lows, laughs, and tea of university life from the perspective of two women working in higher ed. I'm Alicia. And I'm Winsome. Welcome to episode two, guys. Today we'll be talking about hmm, lots, lots of stuff, but basically taking other people's things. So this is just something we cannot co-sign, especially food. But we'll we'll explain. So have a seat. Class is about to begin. Okay. So let's get into the campus news for this week, Winsome. So there's a lot of news. There's a lot happening on campuses, across campuses. And so we're going to start out talking about the 60,000 plus fake students that applied for financial aid through the California Community College system scam. Mm. So according to the LA Times um, and the National Association for College Admissions Counselors, basically on September the 1st, the Los Angeles Times reported some 65,000 fraudulent accounts that were under investigation in the California Community College system for suspected financial aid fraud. They have taken the PPP loan fraud to the universities, guys, (laughs) and we're here to talk about it. So these 65,000 plus students, and we'll get into what students really means, applied across 105 of the 116 California Community College System schools. Officials became suspicious when they kind of started looking at the enrollment data and noticed that many of the students were around the same age. They were older adults and they all were applying for two-year degrees as opposed to vocational track degrees. And when they dug further into it, they noticed that several of the applications had the same phone number and had the same addresses, which when they did look up the addresses, they were for vacant lots. No, wait, 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 wait. So I know you're going to tell us more, but basically somebody in the school system was creating fake old people accounts that were supposed to be students. So girl, the bots have gotten the college and university systems. So initially they couldn't figure out what was happening. They had a hard time trying to decipher it. Um, not wanting to, you know, age discriminate because it could have been that, you know, through the hard times of the panoramic, that the there were many students that decided to go back and True. get a degree to get the jobs that are now mandating degrees. True. Um, so that's not where they initially wanted to take it. But then they found out that apparently it, were, it was bots. Um, and, you know, our listening audience is going to correct me. We're going to have some computer science people out there and engineering right. that they understand what the bots are. But we all have heard about the bots. So when you get on Nike and you're trying to order the shoe mm-hmm. and you get in line online, but somehow you just cannot click your size and put in your payment information fast enough. Generally, it's the bots that have gotten you. So the bots are faster than everybody. Oh, And so the bots are basically, they created these accounts. So whoever maybe um, decided to embezzle and scam created these (laughs) accounts. And um, these accounts basically were going to collect on financial aid, whether that be state financial aid, Pell Grants, Mm. um, other forms of free aid, non-money you don't have to pay back. They were going to collect 
all the coins and nobody was ever going to sit in the classes. Nobody was truly going to ever enroll. See, that's where they messed up. See, you don't play with the federal government's money. Listen, I done told y'all I don't like stripes. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to be one of the girls out here messing with anybody's things. Okay. So, so the question is who done it? Well, they haven't gotten that far. The Federal Department of Education mm -hmm. is now investigating along with the California's uh, community college system. And we know that universities over the years have like really struggled to protect current student information. Um, we've heard about, you know, offices such as the registrar's office and multiple institutions say, or you've received emails or, mm. you know, students have received emails that have said your information may have been compromised you know, credit card scams that have collected their information mm -hmm. from colleges or universities. But it seems now that we need to protect our infrastructure from the bots that are going to try to infiltrate. And I say that because as the fake students collect financial aid, that only takes away from the financial right. resources that are available to the actual students that are sitting in classes. Right, so, because there's only one pot of money. And once the pot is empty, that's it. Once the gold runs out, there's no rainbows to chase over mm -hmm. here, guys. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we we are hoping that we figure out who started the bots. You know, I'm I am also suspicious that it is not your financially challenged aunt and uncle um, <laughs> sitting anywhere that is doing this. I suspect that it is the privileged and powerful. I'm going to get back to that uh -huh. in a little bit, uh -huh. but I suspect that they are the ones somehow that are involved in this because. If there's a good scam and a good thief out there, trust me, generally comes from a place of resources just wanting more. So, mm. yeah, we really hope that we figure out what's going on. We're going to keep, you know, diving into this story. But there's a lot of more in embezzling. I mean, some some things are far away and some things are close to home. So Embezzled. Embezzled. <laughs> okay, so, yes, yes. Let's talk about embezzled. Because I got a better story for you. I just want to take it back since we're talking about the scandals. These scandals have been around for a while. Long time. Long time. So that's a very good point. Because people think uni universities, colleges, higher education systems are like some weird monolith that people don't understand. And they're just these institutions of tradition that have it all together. No. Higher education systems are businesses at the end of the day. And far worse, a lot of them are nonprofit organizations because they are funded by state and federal funds. The same things that happen in any other business happens here. So y'all remember the Howard University scandal from a few years ago. And I know you do, because when I say the name Tyrone Hankerson Jr., <laughs> I know that is popping up some memories because Mr. Tyrone popped up on everybody's Instagram timeline a few years back, BC, before COVID. And Mr. Hankerson was <laughs> Gucci down to the socks, honey. Woo! Louis, Yves Saint Laurent, all that. Okay. And he was a Howard, a Howard University student at the time and didn't have any, you know, career uh settings that we were aware of at the time so where where are the funds coming from sir so according to the washington post article from 2018 allegedly six employees misappropriated funds from financial aid office at howard between the years of 2011 to 2016 
So guess who was working in the financial aid office as a student employee during those years? Sir Tyrone Hankerson himself. That's Junior. Junior. Junior, get it right. Don't mix the daddy. Get it right. I want to not get his poor lineage into this. Sir Tyrone Hankerson Jr. Yes. So investigators discovered that some employees who received tuition benefits to cover the cost of taking classes were also receiving university grants. So let me pause and give you a little breakdown. So there are some benefits to working in the higher education system, one of which would be tuition waivers. So as a full-time employee, most universities allow you to take classes at that university for free. So for instance, for us, you and I are able to take six credits per semester for free at no cost to us. And that's one of the, the fringe benefits that we get as university employees. So, mm-hmm. And use them, guys. Use them. And you know, I did not take advantage of that for a very long time, but we'll talk about that in another episode. But anyway, so back to Howard. So there were these employees at the university that were utilizing their benefit of free tuition. But on top of that, they were applying and granting themselves scholarships and grants. So that double dipping exceeded the cost of the tuition and resulted in those employees receiving fund, refunds for that excess. Refund me, please. <laughs> so you, you know you remember refund time at the beginning of the semester when you get your refund check. The refund time was the best time. Oh my goodness. I remember one year I bought, what did I buy? I bought a bunch of stuff. I had a couple hundred dollars. I said, I'm going to get me some things. Uh, this was about 2007, I believe. You know, when the razors were popping and the T-Mobile sidekicks were a necessity. So yes, I did get me one of those. So anyway. <laughs> Woo! The times. So back to Mr. Hankerson Jr. Um, So six individuals were awarded these funds. The total was close to a half a million dollars for all of these funds and grants and what have you. Um, Funny enough, which I thought is very interesting, considering this is a um, HBCU, none of the six employees were named in this article or any of the others that I could find. and I know we've had some discussions recently about Black employees at higher education institutions. Um, so I found that really interesting that they did not name the employees, but we can talk about that another time. We can dig and dive and try to find out who yeah. was behind the scams. Yeah. Mr. Hankerson was not one of the fired employees. They did get rid of the other six employees, but he was not fired. Remember, he was a student employee in the financial aid office, so he was not let go. But he did benefit from this whole uh, scam, if you will. Allegedly. And that's the reason why Mr. Hankerson was able to be Gucci down to the socks in his Instagram post back in 2018. Allegedly. I, I can just say, if this was a time when somebody got away you know, did the crime, but did not have to do the time. I I really don't know. You know, he may think of it as his own personal reparations. I do hope that Mr. Okay. Hankerson has learned from his situation and he does not try it again because much like this, much like Juvie, after a while you can be charged um, as an adult, Mr. Hankerson. Mm-hmm. And when you are no longer a 
um, employee or student employee and you and and you commit such alleged crimes, mm -hmm. you may actually be charged. So I do hope that if he was at all a willing participant to the crimes that mm -hmm. have been said to be committed, that he has learned from his lesson uh, and that he does not try to participate in such activities again, or if he does know of such activities that he hightails it to the other yes. side of the earth, not in the Gucci and the same Laurent, as you said, <laughs> but in his basic, you know, attire to let somebody know and alert uh, anybody. Because... I would hope so. Apparently he continued, he graduated and continued on to law school. Um, we wish Mr. Hankerson Jr. the best in his endeavors. So hopefully he is walking the straight path. Yes, yes, definitely. And like we said, Mr. Hankerson Jr. I just want to correct myself if I at all forgot that junior at the end. Yes. Well, girls, before we wrap up the uh, campus news, this is just a reminder. This it is a story, but it's wrapped up in a reminder. So we're gonna we're gonna use our memory, and we're gonna uh, come back to the college admission scandals of 2019 right before mm. you know BC before COVID, right mm -hmm. before COVID. Mm -hmm. We were all stunned, stunned by the college admission scandals that included some very high, prominent, wealthy, and privileged individuals <laughs> and their children attending some of the most elite colleges and universities across the United States of America. As a reminder for all of you students and parents, as your students prepare to apply for 2022 admissions, please do not pay for admissions. That's right. All right. So we're very aware, like I said, of the 2019 college admission scandals, um, where some of the prominent and wealthy got wrapped up in getting their students, paying for their students to be included in special populations um, or paying for their students um, entrance exams to be taken by others in order to get them into some of the most prestigious institutions, schools that included Yale, Stanford, Georgetown, and the University of South Carolina. Southern California, um, and the University of California, Los Angeles, so UCLA, and other universities in Texas. So allegedly, 33 parents of college applicants were accused of paying da -da, $25 million. Uh. Let's say it again. $25 million. $25 million between 2011 and 2018 to a gentleman named William Rick Singer. <laughs> he sounds like who, a scammer. <laughs> who organized the scheme? Listen. That Todd set up. <laughs> stay far away from anybody named Rick. Rick anything, okay? <laughs> That's a scammer if I ever heard one. So Mr. William Rick Singer basically created a fraudulent charity to inflate and help parents inflate the entrance exam test scores and bribe college officials in 2011, like I said, from 2011 to 2018. So if you're wondering how this scam kind of works, so the administrators of the SAT and ACT college exams were bribed, so not the actual college board. But the people that administered it. So when you go in on that day and you sit down and they're supposed to make sure that you don't have the answer stuck to your knee mm -hmm. and under your shoe bottom, 
they were bribed by someone um, to pretend to be a student and they took the test on behalf of the student in their place, according to the criminal complaint. So, and then in other cases, the proctors gave the students the answers and fixed their wrong answers after they had taken the test. So it's either they were taking the test for you, honey, or they was in there bubbling in the correct stuff after, (laughs) right? Sometimes the kids even fake learning disabilities so that they would be able to take the test at facilities where the staff had already been paid off. No. (laughs) Girl, trust me. And each of these parents were paying between $15,000 and $75,000 a test. A test. Yes. Okay? To participate in the scheme. All right. Which, again, mastermind by Mr. William Ricksinger. Uh All right. Who ran, he ran a college prep company and he called it The Key. So I guess this was the key that was going to open all doors, baby. Okay. Okay. So then there was another part of the scheme that actually bribed like coaches so that applicants could come through as athletic recruits, but they had never, ever, ever played the sport. So I'm talking about stage photographs <laughs> of you with your basketball, football, um, rowing, uh, whatever the sport was, okay? And um, they were put on this, you know, list of athletic recruits. So wait, wait, wait. So Rick was basically attacking this from both ends because we all know we went to school with the people who were the more academic folks. And then we also had our friends who were the athletes. So Mm -hmm. I did not go in on an athletic scholarship. I had to rely on my academics and it's it's vice versa for other folks. So you're saying that Mr. Rick decided he was going to attack the horse from both ends and get people in on the academic side as well as the athletic side, even if they were not athletic. By any means necessary. Okay. I told you the gentleman's organization was called the key. Jack of all trades. He was, he was using any key. He had the key for everything. Okay. Okay? They're into say, we are not going to harp too much on this because we all remembered it. We were mm-hmm. violently, mm-hmm. um, you know, just stomach turning upset about this because we know so many students that can't even afford the SAT prep. We know so many schools that are using SAT prep books that are decades old that do not help um, students. And I'll be very specific students of color, students from low income backgrounds to right. prepare themselves for this standardized college entrance exam that is required by almost every college or university until Covisha came around and they so nicely put it aside (laughs) and nobody had to take SAT or ACT and they were still going to college and they're still doing good today. So that's another episode we're going to talk about. Are the tests even necessary? Right. But in the meantime, in between time, parents, okay, people, Love your children for the potential that they have. Love them for the abilities that they have. Okay? All right? Not all students will follow the traditional paths to success, but most of you that are committing these crimes, if you can pay for the crime, okay, to motivate a college decision, you have already equipped equipped your student with enough privilege and financial power 
to last for generations. So thank please, you. thank you. That is that I I was just waiting for it to come out of your mouth because it begs the question: if you can afford to pay seventy five thousand dollars per SAT exam, you can afford to set your child up with an LLC, an S corp. Uh, with some uh, residential properties, commercial take, properties that, that have residual income. Take a pause for the cause. One of the families that was um, a part of it, the young lady that was a part of it, she told her parents she didn't even want to go to school. Thank you. She wanted to keep doing her YouTube channel. Thank you. Mama's now on Dancing with the Stars. So, uh, so <laughs> what was the point? What was the point? So that your what child... was the reason? What, what was the reason? <laughs> Cardi B voice, because you've clearly made a great living for yourself and your family. You have money in the bank, lots of it. Your children are well set for once they grow up. Once you pass, the money is there. At that point, the focus should be on what your child wants to do with their life. What are their dreams? What are their hopes? And how you can help push them to that form of success that they've delineated for themselves. It should not be, well, you need to have a college degree with this name on it. It needs to be a Stanford it needs to be a UCLA. It needs to be a Harvard. Your student does not want that, number one. And your student apparently did not meet the entrance requirements for any of those schools. I, I'm just, I was baffled myself because I know that these students probably have gone to the best and elite private schools. So at what point do you just get tired of wasting your money? Because you wasted it from K through 12, clearly, clearly. Yep. And now you are again seeking to waste it to put them in a space. So if you put them in the space, are they going to be able to do what they need to do in that space? And if they are again not able to do what they need to do in that space, are you going to bribe the teachers? Are you going to bribe the professors? Like what? What is the point of this all? You said one of the the children wanted to push her YouTube channel forward. Parents need to learn what is on the cusp of innovation in this era. I, I know we are children of immigrants, so. It's a hard thing for them to learn and keep up with, but parents need to keep up with what is happening now and what's coming next in order to help push their students into what they want to do, fueled by what will be necessary in the future. A lot of these things are falling out. If you were pushing your child to go work at Blockbuster, guess what? Ain't there no more. You need to be thinking about the Netflix, honey. What's the upcoming Netflix? What's what's happening next? That's what you need to be focused on. And if your child says they want to be a YouTube influencer, talk with them about how to monetize their channel. Talk about how they can get sponsorships. Talk about how they can get ads. Talk about those things with them. Help them to understand what that is because they get it, you don't. You're the one pushing them to go to the Yale, honey. And Yale said, you cannot come here. Girl, uh, you know, like I said, I, I just I, I want to make it very clear to these parents. Again, I'm going to repeat what I said. 
Most of you that can pay to motivate a college decision have already equipped your student, your child, with enough privilege and financial power to last for generations. Please do not proceed to commit illegal crimes. That's it. That's just it. That is it. That is all we want to remind you of, okay? And, and just, again, take a gander, take a check of your power and your privilege. And maybe instead of creating and um, using $25 million mm. in this scheme, mm. maybe you could have used that for communities of color mm. and underprivileged communities mm. of financially needy people to give that money away to students that have Be the ability but cannot afford to go to these universities that's and that's just it because at the end of the day that's who is impacted by these actions because you're not thinking about those people that you just mentioned those are the students that were not able to get the seat at the university or college that they rightly deserved and earned through merit through their grades through their athleticism they were not able to get that spot because that spot was purchased that is so true. And for All those right. of you who are questioning about unlimited seats at universities because the classes are online and yada, yada, unfortunately, there is an enrollment limitation. There definitely we, is. We cannot have an unlimited, unlimited seat number in any of our classes because there is still only one <laughs> professor for that class and that and person, resources thank you and there re there are limited resources again your student takes a class online but they still need to be able to access a professor they need to be act to be able to access a library they may need to to access something that there is a limit to it there, there are also limit. limited housing spaces on yeah. any college or university campus yeah. so regardless of online specifically the people that want their students to have the traditional college experience college experience they are going to want a bed in one of the more luxurious residential halls mm -hmm. and so then that leaves students that perhaps need to find cost effective living near university they can't find that there are many colleges or universities this year that had no space they had no space for people to live Students that were admitted that perhaps took a little longer to pay their housing deposits because they did not have it at the time were then accosted at the end, letting them know that there was no space for them. Uh -huh. And so unless they were willing to rent off campus or live at home with parents, which some for some of these students was not an option, uh -huh. they could not come to college. And now home. they have to go back into the admission cycle for another year, hoping that next year there will be space. Again, yeah, there yeah. is always, there is always, okay, a, there's always a repercussion to the crime. Yeah, there's so please, always some impact. There is always a negative impact, definitely. So just look it, at the bigger picture of these situations, guys. Um, keep keep that in mind. Yes. Woo, that was a lot. So let's move on to the teachable moment. All right, guys, it's time for the teachable moment this week um, where we give you the scoop on how to maneuver through some of the hot, tough situations in college or at the job working at a college or university. So this week, we're going to keep within the same 
theme of, you know, property rights um, scheme. Some people may call it the embezzlement. Um, but this is really going to be focused from the faculty and employee perspective at universities, uh, campuses across specifically the United States. But I really think this applies to anybody. Um, over the years, conversations have centered around who owns the intellectual property, the content that is created by university employees. Is it owned by the university itself? When it comes to like federal grants and federal inventions or inventions that have been created on college, college and university campuses, who owns those? Is it the federal government? Is it the person? Is it the college or university? And we know that colleges and universities bring in a lot of money based mm-hmm. on the ideas and the inventions. And so over the years, the question pertaining to the freedom to innovate and really who owns the intellectual property rights. Um, it's been a back and forth struggle. The American Association of University Professors did a very good job a few years back of explaining the tensions that have been just growing over the years from the 1980s and have really kind of like culminated in this like standoff between um employees, faculty, and the university about who really owns the rights. And while the, like I said, the AAUP has focused a lot on faculty rights when it pertains to inventions, I'm going to take it from the focus point of all university professionals, because I know I've created things um, that my employer employer has used. I would hope that they don't think that they own my intellectual property. And if I were to ever leave, I could take those same ideas somewhere else. And I know you've probably also done the same, Alicia. Yeah, for sure. There's lots of programming ideas and whatnot that you basically, it's part of your job when you're you're here, they expect you to bring this creative aspect to the job and and hey this is the learning objective we need to meet and you figure it out so yeah that is definitely your intellectual property i would say and i think this idea of intellectual property has only come up recently because before you know back when our parents worked or when our grandparents the idea was like you went you worked for a company and you made that company better and and to a certain extent people felt like they were a part of that company's family. And so, yes, they gave ideas that probably promoted that company and has propelled that company to today while they are long gone. However, the idea was that the company was also giving you a monetary incentive because you were able to propel your family through generational wealth. Well, now today we have these questions of like, what outweighs the other? Like if a university is going to use your intellectual property for 80 years, but you're only being paid a base salary, mm-hmm. can they truly own your ideas? And the idea of a creative 20 years ago, people would say, well, what is a creative? But now we understand like that is a person mm-hmm. that literally sits on and creates ideas that others then can use. So I want to be very clear. Intellectual property refers broadly to patents, copyrights, trademarks, and according to some definitions, trade secrets. Mm-hmm. So yes, we're not talking about your everyday program or sometimes just the idea that you may say in a meeting, but those are also very important. They're not considered intellectual property, but they are very important to the conversation that we're having. We know that copyrights come up when faculty members basically create, and we want to know like really who owns that. And so 
There were several doctrines prior to, I'm going to butcher this name, I know it, so you know, you guys don't feel any way about it. The Bob Doyle Act basically really created and said it was in the 1980s, and it really created and stated what inventions um, arising from federal government research funds, who owned those? Did the university earn, own those? Did the person own those? And it kind of was interpreted that the university in some way kind of owned that. And so if you created at a college or university using federal funds, um, federal government funded research, then the university owned owned such rights to to, to those patents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but recently, we've had cases that have gone all the way up to the Supreme Court of the United States. Stanford v. Roche is one of those cases. And I want to be clear. So Stanford v. Roche, I think, is a 2013 case, but definitely let you know. But this case basically outlined that, um, held that title in a patented invention vest first in the inventor, even if the inventor is a researcher at a federally funded lab subject to the original Bob Doyle Act. So the judges affirm the common understanding of the U.S. Constitution law, constitutional law that inventors automatically own their inventions on contractual obligations to assign those rights to a third party are secondary. Hmm. Okay. okay, so now the people own their things, right? Okay. And that's really good. But now we're going to take it even a step further. So I want to equip the professionals that are listening to this podcast, because I know for myself, it's been a frustrating situation creating something. And you may think of it as something small, but when the resources that are given to a college or university in, in the funding are given to your idea, like, it's like, it's almost like a partnership. Like you give the idea, they fund it mm-hmm. and it blooms, Right. And after it blooms, you don't hear anything about yourself. You just hear such and such created, such mm-hmm. and such created, meaning the, the institution created, right? And like, that can really be taxing mentally on a person because now when you leave that institution, can you basically take those ideas with you and implement them someplace else without somebody thinking that you've taken mm-hmm. the creative knowledge that has now been branded for your institution with you? So I just wanted to say to like folks, like, again, this is going to go back to something that we're going to talk a lot about as as we age in this podcast, but please update your resumes. Yes, it may not be an invention. It may not be a published paper, but if it, it is an idea that then forecasted out into funds that the university mm-hmm. took in, you should be able to say on your resume, created such and such program in 2013 and over the next or next four years, the university um, was able to, what is the word I'm looking for? To benefit or monetize this idea right. to the sum of, we'll just use a sum that we're familiar with today, $12.8 million. <laughs> and that's a very good point because it doesn't necessarily need to be some brand new invention or physical product. It could be a process that you saw some sort of gap in service or what have you, and you came up with this idea that would serve more clients, create more, in our case, the biggest word is what? Retention. Um, Retention. Increase enrollment, things like that. And this goes across the board, not just for higher education, but for anyone in, in corporate America. If something you have thought of, a change in process or a new process has resulted in 
an increase or decrease of X or Y, that is definitely something that you need to showcase on your resume. Yes, yes, definitely. Don't think of it as something small. When you leave, don't allow the recommendation letter alone, if you're able to get one, to be the thing that gets you your next job. Let your work speak for itself. Like you are your biggest um, cheerleader, your biggest champion. So, you know, over the years working somewhere, you may forget what you've created. You may have forgotten mm -hmm. what you have created. Mm -hmm. Please, every time you do something, write it down and mm -hmm. then ask your supervisor at the end of the year, okay, based on this change in process, has such and such increase, has such and such decrease. Like, be sure to track these things because as you track them, then you'll be able, at the end, you'll have the ability to express that when you're in a, a job interview or, um, right. you know, or even when you're asking for advancement, raises, whatever it might be, you're able to speak for yourself and truly express that you have been an asset right. to the institution or the company that you're working for. So in addition to the schemes that are taking all of the money, don't get we scammed. want you to <laughs> don't get scammed. People don't get scammed for your intellectual. You know, it, it, it is already taxing going to some of these jobs. So make sure that you are not scammed completely of your money and your intellect. That's yeah. where I wrap it up. And that's it. We hope that helps somebody. If it didn't help you, it helped me for sure. That's a reminder for myself. So let's move on. Okay, so let's round out the show with a listener letter. We do have a letter this week with some. Woo! So... Guys, you can send us your shady situations at neverleftcollegepod at gmail.com. Again, that's neverleftcollegepod at gmail.com. We'll read them on the show and try to give you some advice, or maybe you can teach us a thing or two. So today's letter comes from, let's call her, can you give her a name? Some? Uh, yes, let's call her Latrice. Latrice. Okay, so Latrice writes, I am a second year graduate student. My first few semesters have been remote due to COVID. However, this semester, my university has returned to in-person classes, causing me to move. I decided to move into a quad apartment because the rates were low and I need to save as much money as possible. My first week with my roommates went well until one Sunday night. I came home to see that my roommate was hosting a kickback. I was a little annoyed because they never told me that they were having guests over, but I brushed it off. As I was getting settled, my roommate came up to me to let me know that she had used one of my pans to cook. Again, I was a little annoyed because they could have texted me to ask for my permission to use it. When I came home, I intended on cooking, but I had to wait a little while my roommate and their guests were using my pots and pans. When I decided to start cooking, I noticed that it wasn't just my pans that were being used. It was my other kitchen utensils as well. Again, I brushed it off, finished cooking, ate in my room, washed up, and went to rest. I was hoping that the kickback would end soon as it was a Sunday evening and the next day I had to get up early. But the kickback only got bigger and louder and went on until almost one in the morning. I was extremely annoyed by this because, again, it was a Sunday evening. 
So I decided to bring it up the next day to my roommates. They apologized for using my kitchen utensils and reimbursed me for a food item that I noticed was half used. They told me that they would be hosting another kickback that same night. I felt like this was too much because one, they had just had a party last night and two, it was a Monday night. I told them it was okay for tonight and that I would find somewhere else to go, but we should compromise on the party situation. I suggested that Sunday through Thursday, there should be no partying, but they didn't agree with that and suggested quiet hours instead. I said that if they want to party on a weeknight, that quiet hours should be after 11 p.m. and on weekends, 1 a.m. They didn't want to budge. We can't seem to come to a resolution, and I know things will only get worse as the semester progresses. I understand that they are undergrads and want to have as much fun as possible, but I also feel like I should, like they should consider me and my busy work schedule. What should I do? So I'm going to take this time real quickly to get into my colloquial. Um, Demma Teflon done. <laughs> The Teflon Dons are out here, huh? Them are grab pot and them is grocery grabbers, huh? Yes. I mean, we've been talking about taking other people's things. So, yes. Uh, so, I think we first have to acknowledge that I think she said these are undergraduates and she's a graduate student. There is a big difference there in maturity that, levels. Mm-hmm. There is a big mm-hmm. difference in maturity levels. There's also a big difference, big difference in the product. And I know a lot of people may not want to hear this because you're working on your bachelor's. And I think that is wonderful. But there's a difference in the acceptable product that is given as an undergraduate in coursework compared to graduate. Right. True. So I'll be honest and say I definitely may have scammed my way through a couple classes in undergrad because I did not read. I just Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. quickly glanced these pages. We went to class. The professor then went over what was in the material Mm -hmm. and we left. And then I was prepared for the test as opposed to in my graduate degree. If I was not prepared or if the class was not prepared to discuss, you were solo dolo because they they put the onus of the conversation on you. Girl, the professor basically stands there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The professor stands there and they say, you know, based on the reading last week, which could be upwards of 120 pages, um, what do y'all think? What's happening? Mm-hmm. And then you got modem out mic next to you talking. <laughs> and if you don't got nothing to add, baby, you're going to look solid. You're going you look- to be in trouble. So funny story, quick story. We're going to get back to Latrice. But you and I are both law school dropouts. So we are. <laughs> I can remember it was my, I think it was real estate law was the class that I was in as a 1L and I did not read for class that day and I don't know why I did not just stay my tail at home because I showed up to the class unprepared honey and guess who got called on that day and that is the time when you get called on like I will state this like if you do not read if you do not have the bandwidth to figure out your reading schedule as a 1L you are doomed from the start. Like there it's is, over. unless you have it's like a done. reading group where people are going to like, you read this chapter and I read this chapter. And even then you really shouldn't trust it because Very that true. law school is the one place I will tell you it is competitive. It is, it, oh, what, what, 
Ah, uh, we, we Protect- will have a whole episode on the competitive nature of law students. <laughs> Protect your neck, okay? <laughs> Protect your neck, and okay? That goes- and that's not just for the students. The professors can smell blood in the water because how did this man pick me? How did he pick me the one day I was unprepared? The one day. So guess what happened? I, you know, RN, keep it real. Um, I, I'm not prepared. I, I do not know that case, sir. That's fine, ma'am. Next class, you can tell us about XYZ cases. Be prepared on Wednesday. And and that is, I she is not lying to you. So if any of you have aspirations um, to attend uh, law school, please, like, remember us saying this to you now. One, protect your neck. Two, make sure you read. Mm-hmm. So in Latrice's situation, while she's not a law student, she's in graduate school. And there's an expectation that she comes to class prepared. So let's first talk about the fact. The kickback wasn't Friday, Saturday. So... If the kickback was Friday, Saturday, not mm-hmm. saying I would understand it. I would kind of still give you a double take why y'all have to party two nights in a row. But I want y'all to remember Latrice said. The kickback initially was on Sunday. And when she complained, they said, but baby, we're having another one tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to take this time mm-hmm. to say Sunday comes before Monday. So, you know... um. In the event that you were unsure, and this was not a holiday weekend. No. Um, Latrice might need to go to work afterwards. So there's a level of privilege that's also playing in here. Because when I was an undergrad, I had a job. And when I worked in media services, if the event was at 8 in the morning, I had to be up at 6.30 in order to set up the media equipment. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, a lot of meetings would be on Monday because this is when people were either coming to present on campus to the campus constituents or... They had already given you the weekend to get your project together. And now your dean or your department head wanted to hear what you had to say. So Bright I had to be there at 6.30 a.m. to get ready for them to set up their equipment and teach them. I don't understand what the roommates are doing. Furthermore, the use of the pots and pans. While I understand that is, we don't want this to turn into a um, Martin Gina situation where you have double of everything in the apartment. <laughs> There also has to be some acknowledging of these are my pots and pans. And I mean, until I was an adult, I did not notice pots and pans are expensive. Girl, a good set. Couple hundred bucks. I've seen them upwards to 600, girl. Yes. Like I said, the Teflon Duns were out stealing. Yep. So you took her pots so she couldn't cook when she got home. Right. And then in addition, you took food items, mm. which you don't know if she needed that to use it to cook. And you're expressing that you also are not going to stop. On top you're of gonna everything cry. else. You're going to party it till the night. Mm-hmm. Party every night. That's what you're going to do? Mm-hmm. Okay, Latrice, I think, again, I think you live off campus. So there's no RA. Uh, if this was an on-campus situation, I would express my disdain to my RA. Um, wherein I don't believe you could have kickbacks on a Sunday or a Monday on campus or anything like that. Right. But I would then express to them that, you know, like, this is not going to work. I'm a graduate student. You guys have to um, understand that my course load and my responsibilities are different. If they continue and they insist, I'm not certain how this works. I was about to give a piece of advice. And I'm going to explain why I literally took a second. I don't know if Latrice is black or white. My advice was going to be to call the cops. Oh, that was a big jump. 
for a noise complaint if they continued, right? Yeah. Because you've already spoken to them, right? They're not willing to stop. You don't have an RE and you you really can't go to a building manager because they're going to they're going to say that's between you and your roommates. Once we get the rent on the first of the month, we don't care. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Why I pass for a cause in expressing and we're going to probably talk about this for hours, but yeah. we can then talk about on a different show. If Latrice is black and her roommates are white or of a fairer complexion, the police coming may not work in her favor. And so I am... If anyone involved is Black, it's probably not a good situation. So I'm going to pause on my extensive call the popo and make them shut down the party. I think Latrice, have a second conversation with these roommates. Explain to them. Explain to them that was not what was... And maybe if you can report the noise complaint to your to your um, apartment complex, that may work uh, in, in your favor to kind of help help you to um, be able to get some kind of resolution. I would also look into um, perhaps how uh, if you have people in your classes that may also be renting so that in the future you can live with other graduate level students. Mm-hmm. Um, I would look into those options because I understand it is hard, you know, getting a one, one, these one, ones are out here going for, um, throats, necks, kidneys, and livers, but understanding that this is a crucial time for you and that you need your sleep. You need to be able to concentrate. So I won't tell you to call the popo initially, try to have a second conversation and try to seek out resources through the apartment complex that can perhaps help them to understand that you are not going to be okay with the loud partying on a Sunday and a Monday night and then eventually move out. Take you, your pots, your pans, and your groceries and get out of there. Well, I have to agree um, with that part. Uh, I'm very wary of involving uh, police in any situations where people of color or Black and Indigenous people of color are concerned. So... Yes, try talking with them again, Latrice. I guess, like you said, Winsome, the the last resort would be to move, right? And we know housing costs are ridiculous. Um, and that may not be the easiest thing for you to do. But if you start looking now and making arrangements now, uh, figuring out what your options are now, it might help to um, alleviate this this pressure that you're feeling. Work with it while you can. There is definitely, like we said, a difference between grad and undergrad and the mindsets and maturity mm-hmm. levels here. And that's very apparent. Um, and people are different. You know, people are different, whether you're grad or undergrad. People are different. Some people are very quiet, stay to themselves. Uh, and some other folks are not. And it just seems like there is a difference here between you and the rest of the group. Um, you're different people. So there, there needs to be some balance. Uh, approach it again. And go from there. That's really it. Living situations are always tough. Always tough. And they don't they get are. easier. So they do not. I feel like people think like living with somebody. I feel like, you know, if you have a sister or brother when you're younger and you share a room, that equips you. But it does not mm-hmm. equip you for people that don't and have not lived in a similar lifestyle. There's no um, there's no referee one. Mom ain't there to tell mm-mm. the both of you to play nicely. And people were not raised the same. So where you might be considerate of other people's things, 
those other people are not doing the same for you. They just weren't raised that way. They were not. I know I've lived in a one-one and by myself for years and it has just been my comfort level. But also I understand that like as a graduate student, that probably was not the best financial decision uh-huh. to make. And so, yeah, Latrice, we are in your corner and go. Um, I've had people take their pots and pans and put them in their room. Do so if that's do. what it takes, take your pots and pans and put them under your bed. When you need to go and use them, use them, mm-hmm. wash them, put them back. Mm-hmm. Because you don't know what they're going to do with your pants and pants when you're not there. Like, mm-hmm. I actually had, a, I have to tell this story really quickly. I actually had a roommate one time I got home and there was glass all over the floor. And I'm like, what intonation did she do? Mama had done dismantled, <laughs> broken, shambled, shattered to pieces, my good Pyrex. No. And left it on the floor? So she was trying to pick up the pieces. No, it had shattered into like a million pieces. She apparently had heated it up with something and then put it in water. Oh, so you know, not- no. The not hot and the cold. The, the hot and the cold did not work. And it was while she was having a guest over that I did not know was going to be in the house. Another classmate of ours, and they were cooking potatoes or something. Yeah, you know it didn't taste good, so... <laughs> I'll tell you that. I know it didn't taste good. Did she pay you for your Pyrex? She tried to give me her old one. I told her no. Like, no, I want a new one. Where's the money? I need my money. Like, your old one is not. And mine came in a two-part set. So, you're going to have to buy my two-part set now because I can't go out there and find the matching one by itself. It. So, at this point, you could take the other one if you want to. But you broke this one, so you have to pay me. And yeah, she was upset. And afterwards, she moved out. And let me just tell you, when she moved out, it was a colossal mess. Like, she had three cats. Her cats had decimated her rug, her carpet in her room. Thank mm-hmm. the, thank you to my the staff at that apartment complex that they did not charge me for those rugs. They just aged them out. Mm. Like, it was a mess. So I understand the struggle of a roommate. So, Latrice, we are rooting for you, and we hope that you get some kind of peace at night and some yeah. protection for your things. Yeah, I think we need to do a roommate episode because I, I have some stories. So, send us your roommate stories, your shady situations, your comments, any anything you want to share with us. You can email us at neverleftcollegepod at gmail.com. Again, never left college pod at gmail.com. So let's move on. All right, Alicia, we have come to the end of this second episode. It has been so nice talking with you again. We hope that you guys will check out episode one and two. Don't forget, we are on all platforms. Um, Never left college pod. Um, Check us out. Listen to us when you're on the way to work, headed home from work. Whatever it may be, um, let us um, have a little bit of your day. And we hope that you have enjoyed today's topics and content. We hope that you understand the assignment. It is to protect your things (laughs) and also leave people things alone. Left them alone. If it's not yours, do what, Alicia? Left them alone. Thank you very much. Okay, guys, that's it for today. It's been a good time. Hopefully not too long of a time because, again, no one likes a long class. We hope that you you have a great week. And remember, college is a place to live, love, and laugh. But if you never leave, well, we're here to help you make it through. Have a good day. Bye, guys.